Well, hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. And you shouldn't be shocked by this, but we're going to take a break from our normal series, our series on the book by Jeff Myers, Unquestioned Answers, because I really felt like we needed to address what's going on right now in the news, what everyone's talking about, the issue of racial reconciliation. Since the murder, the execution of George Floyd, our country has erupted into violence and strife and discord, and I felt like there's just no way we can't talk about this issue, and we need to, because this is not just an issue of social justice or political issue, but this is this is a biblical issue. We are all made in the image of God, and when that image is snuffed out, that matters. That's uh, that's an important thing to talk about. So uh, I wanted to, to address these this issue from, of course, a biblical perspective. This is the Basic Bible Podcast. Last Sunday, I was able to attend a peaceful protest out in uh, Horace White Park in Beloit, Wisconsin. Took my boys, and we protested the the execution of George Floyd. But that night, I was able to attend a church service, which was in and of itself great, because I haven't actually attended a church since the quarantine. I haven't been in a church, inside of a church. And uh, so I was at Beloit Family Worship Center in Beloit, Wisconsin, with my friend Adam Meyer, who is a pastor there. And Pastor Adam really wants to talk about this issue, too. So he invited a friend of his from Dixon, Illinois, a pastor by the name of Bishop Michael Cole. And uh, Bishop Cole is the pastor at Family Worship Center in Dixon, Illinois. Uh, Adam and, and, and Bishop Cole have been working together for almost a decade now. And uh, Bishop Cole pastors a church that is a multicultural church. And uh, he had quite a message to give out of John chapter 17. And I was impacted by it. I was convicted by it. And I really wanted to share that message with you guys. And so I called up Adam and uh, he gave me permission and, and Bishop Cole also gave me permission to use this message. So you're going to hear this message. Now it's, it's a long one, okay? This is, we usually end around 25 minutes, 30 minutes. This is going to be you know, over 40 minutes, probably about close to 45 minutes after I just, you know, shut up. But it's well worth your time to listen to. So you're going to hear Pastor Adam Meyer introduce Bishop Cole, and then he'll uh, take the rest of that time um, to give his message and uh, about race, racial reconciliation. And I want you to listen to this is well worth your time. So here's uh, Pastor Adam introducing Bishop Cole. At the moment, I'm going to invite uh, Bishop Michael Cole up to uh, share with us a little bit about uh, racial reconciliation and uh, some topics. And I just want to preface this with, you know, the topics that we're going to be talking about here this evening is going to make everybody uncomfortable. And I think that's okay. I think in a situation like this that we're currently facing, being uncomfortable is a good thing. Because being uncomfortable is what creates change. And if we're going to be better, sometimes it means that we have to get a little uncomfortable first. Bishop Cole is a man that I've known for about nine years. He is a man that is as far as I've known him, has lived community and unity. He's accepted me as a, as a brother from another mother. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've spent a lot of time doing ministry together while I was in Dixon. He's a man that I trust with my own life. 
and he's lived it. Uh, he comes from a very unique background, not only as a pastor, a construction worker, but trying to really create change of racial injustice that have taken place from the inside out as part of the police and fire commission and other organizations that he has gotten involved with simply because he is passionate about seeing God glorified and seeing change happen. And so I want you guys to just give it up, give your ears uh, all the attention to, to Bishop Cole. So if we can give him a round of applause. Comes uh, Pastor Cole. Thanks, Love bro. you, brother. Love you, man. Praise the Lord, everyone. It's good to see you tonight. Let's just take a moment and lift your hands, would you? And let's, let's worship our King just for another second. Come on, let's stand up, would you? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, just in your own way. Oh, Father, we honor, we glorify you. There's no one else like you. Lord, we put you first in everything. We ask, Lord God, that you would receive our repentance tonight. Not only our own personal repentance, but even if we're able to, to repent for our whole world, for our whole families, for everyone, Lord God, that is, has been walking in areas of darkness, Lord God. You are light. You are light. You are our light. You are our salvation. And we manifest that truth within our hearts tonight, no matter how hard it is. I ask you, Lord God, that your anointing would rest upon this house right now in Jesus' name. I ask you, Lord God, that that, that anointing that destroys every yoke, would manifest amongst us. Lord God, those yokes that have been, that have, that have manifested from our own issues, from our own private places, Lord God, we ask that every yoke be broken tonight. We know that judgment comes to the house first, Lord God, and, and we are receptive to that judgment because it will only make us better. Thank you, Father. We trust you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, would you give him one more praise? <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to read a passage of Scripture, John 17, the New Living Translation, beginning at verse 20. the prayer of Jesus, the prayer of Jesus. Somebody hear what I say? It is the prayer of Jesus. I am not praying, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This is the prayer of Jesus. 
that we would be one like he and the Father are one. I asked the Lord if he would allow me to be part of the generation that answers his prayer. I'm asking him. I've asked him and and I am I am on a trail for belief and knowing that we will be that generation that will answer the prayer of Jesus. Now, if he if he prayed it, then that means he knew it was possible. You hear what I'm saying? He, look around us now. Look around the situations in the United States of America. Not looking very united right now, is it? But Jesus still prayed the prayer. And so with the very first thing we have to do is believe that it is possible. Do you believe that it's possible tonight? Come on, I'm not hearing enough. Do you believe that it's possible that we can be one? There has to be this movement, this change that begins to happen. Martin Luther King said that the time has come when silence is betrayal. I'm not going to... I'm not going to betray my Savior. So for me, I have to speak up. For you, your silence, the, the, the um, overall allowance of systemic movement to continue and pervade means that we are betraying the possibility and the actionable movement of this prayer. So we got to stop down. Your voice is important. Your voice has to have a declaration. Your voice has to speak. I want to be a part of, of answering the prayer of Jesus. That my brother and my sister would be one with me even as the Father and the Son are one. There's change that needs to take place. I got a lot of stuff to talk about. My, my wife of 43 years passed away November 30th. Few, about two, two months later, my mama died. I can still hear their voices telling me God has anointed you to speak and to speak truth. And as I hear their voices, I can hear the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. It's time for us to move and move forward. 1906, the Azusa revival started. A little black man named William Seymour was used to launch the greatest move of God to date in the United States. Bishop C. C. <clears throat> Bishop Mason, why, why am I not remembering his name? 
words. T.H. Mason, sorry, was one that was there that was baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. There were a number of other white people who joined with him, and there was this movement that was taking place. They decided that because of the color of their skin, they could not continue to worship together. C.H. Mason started the Church of God in Christ, the, the largest black Pentecostal denomination in the United States and worldwide. The other, the other people that were with him, he laid hands on, were a couple of the people who actually started the Assemblies of God, the largest white Pentecostal denomination. What would have happened? What would have happened if those men would have said, we don't care about the color of one another's skin. We don't care about Jim Crow. We don't care about the things that have taken place. We don't care about the history and, and the misery of the things that have happened. We are the children of God, and we are filled with the Spirit of God, and we will stand together no matter what. What would have happened? I'm just asking the question. What would have happened? 1921. 1906, my, my granddaddy was born in 1901. He was five years old when Azusa started. 1921, my granddaddy was 20 years old. There was a neighborhood in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Greenwood. Greenwood was a place of prominence that should not have happened. There was a group of black entrepreneurs in, a, in, a, in Tulsa where that is the hotbed of the Bible Belt where all things God was supposed to be happening. The, the black constituents of Tulsa we're not able to shop in most of the stores there. It was during the time of Jim Crow. I would love to go into Jim Crow tonight, but we won't. That'll be another time. Make sure you come back. But they could not shop in any white stores. These black constituents who... who who lived around the Greenwood area, said, we're not going to go without. And they built a neighborhood where there were doctors, lawyers, there were dry cleaners, they had a hospital, they had everything that they needed to sustain, grow, and, and prosper. Booker T. Washington called Greenwood the Black Wall Street. Said, this place is amazing. 
They have everything that they need and they're prospering. They were getting rich. They were becoming empowered. Some of them were still working in the white districts of Tulsa. Some were shoeshine men. Some were, some were cleaning houses and, and doing all the menial labor that was expected of black people. But they were taking that money back to Greenwood, and they were growing and prospering. Power is one of the things that systemic racism does not want to share. I hope I, I, it's, your pastor already told you you're going to be feel a little uncomfortable tonight. You're still going to love me when I leave. If you don't, I'm going to come back. <laughs> this power change infuriated the white sector of Tulsa. Today, marks Pentecost Sunday. Today also marks the 99th year of the Black Wall Street Massacre. May 31st It's when it happened. 2,000 white men came into the Greenwood District and burned the entire district to the ground. At least 300 black men, black people, died. My grandfather was 20 years old. He's, he is the one who taught me how to love Jesus and love people. He taught our entire family his values. All of us had grandparents, parents who taught values, taught us values. The trickle down of our values, start, they started someplace and now we're experiencing some of the subliminal values that were poured into us. You know, when, when, you, got, when you got stuff inside of you that your, your grandmama, your, your parents, and other people taught you, it becomes truth to us. Now, just think. There were 2,000 white men that went into the Greenwood District and killed everything that they saw. They became parents and grandparents with values. How, how many of those values were poured down into us? I know it's hard to look at. I, you know, my, my grandfather taught me that. But my grandfather always carried a 32 in his pocket, too. So 
All I'm saying is, is that there were, there, were, there, there were varied amounts of values that were poured into each one of us. You hear me? And we want to say, oh, I've been saved by the blood of Jesus, hallelujah, and now I'm okay. How often do those values, some may be positive, some may be negative, rise back up and begin to infect, affect, affect us? Now comes these, come these moments of transparency and acceptance to eradicate the intrinsic values that have continued to bring destruction into the United States of America. I started pastoring in 1992. 1992 was the year that, um, who's the dude in, in Los Angeles? Rodney King was beaten. We had all these discussions in 1992. There were riots taking place in 1992. Well, this is well after the signing of the Civil Rights Bill. What, what has happened? Some of us would say nothing. May I suggest that it's based on, on the intrinsic values that we have carried and then we have taken, taken our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and put him in our little bag of values and allowed him to come along with us instead of allowing for true Christ culture to eradicate every other issue of culture and, and bring us to a place to where we can answer the prayer of Jesus. So now comes these moments, again, with now this is happening, and there's, there's protests, there's rioting, there's all of these things, and nobody likes. Can I suggest this is one thing that I've heard, and I, I'm not saying I agree with this, but I want, I, uh, this is a time for understanding and education. Okay? One of the statements that's made concerning people who are rioting is that that is their way to, for the, the ones who are silent to have, a, to have a voice. You know how hard it is? I know that uh, all of you have been happily married. You've never had any narcissistic people living in your home or anything like that. But do you know what it's like to not have a voice? Do you understand the feeling that it is when you're living beat down and held down for generations? So when we see rioting, we say it's wrong. That's terrible. That's not solving any problems. You ever seen a person who's been held down by a narcissist all of their lives and then They've had enough. I'm not saying anything, something's right, but what I am saying is that if we understand, then change can begin to come. Proverbs 4, chapter 4 says, 
get wisdom and understanding. In everything you do, get an understanding. Hosea 4 says, my people are destroyed. How? By lack of knowledge. There's, a, there's been a system that has been in place for generations that has tried to keep the majority of white people from knowing and understanding the full truth. How many of you went to school and in your history books there, there was a section about Black Wall Street? That's just one, that's just one incident. Okay, there, there have been many things that have been removed from history books so that, so that you don't know. Pastor Adam talking to me earlier, and he mentioned the term that many of us know and some of us don't know, many of us don't understand, and that's a term called systemic racism. The system causes for all of us not to know the full history of the United States of America. We have, uh, we're, we're given February as Black History Month. I don't consider February Black History Month. What I consider February to be is American History Month. It's just learning, teaching us another side of American history. But as long as it's Black History Month, then we, then we simply allow it to be black history instead of American history. When that happens... The continued divide takes place. We are the community of Christ. Excuse me. He sent me, he brought me here. So you got to deal with it. We are the community of Christ. That means that we should be one together, correct? Come here one second, brother, would you mind? I love this shirt, man. You see this shirt? It's an amazing shirt. Do you understand that we cannot spell community without, what's that say? What, what's that shirt say? We try to spell community without unity. But I want to take this another step farther. We have to, in order for change to continue to come, we have to take everything to its lowest common denominator and build up from there. That is eradicating all the other things that we have, that we have systematically learned and grown in. So, the lowest common denominator of community is not unity. 
spell the first three word, the first three letters in the word unity. Come on, help me out. What? What did you just say? What? What is the lowest common denominator of, of community? It is you and I. You can't spell community without it. And we have tried, and we have, and we have hustled in. You, you, uh, I want to stick around for a minute. We, we, we have huddled in to our respective masses, and we've loved on Jesus. And it's been so awesome. But Jesus has consistently been saying, you're not answering my prayer. You're not answering my prayer. What has to happen? I have to change. And you have to change. Because the lowest common denominator of community is you. And I. That means that I gotta, I gotta hook up with some dude named Adam Meyer. <laughs> He's different than me. I'm different than him. He grew up on Float Street in Freeport, Illinois. I grew up on Madison Street in Freeport, Illinois. Float Street intersects with Madison Street. But his culture up on Float Street was different than my culture over on Madison Street. And so in context, we say, he over on Float Street, man. I ain't nothing to do with the dude. And And we move on. From there, while he's blood-bought, moving with Jesus, I'm filled with the Spirit of God. But we still say we're community, but we're not at its base level. Help me out. What's this? And that's where the change has to truly come from. So that means... Our differences have to make us one. Our individuality gives us commonality. Our individuality gives us commonality. Okay, you, you see this? I'm, I'm going somewhere. You see this right here? What, what's this? A hand, yes. This is education class. Okay, and, and, and what are these here? Fingers. They're all fingers. The church tries to teach us, in order for us to get along, we need to be all thumbs. It is the differences of each digit that gives the hand dexterity and functionality. So anybody with me tonight? You see, you see, this hand only works well if you have the dexterity and functionality 
of each, of the, of each digit. The church says, in order for us to get along, we must all be the same. Hallelujah. What would this look like if it was all thumbs? Right? Not good. That's a nice way to put it. But can, may I suggest that that's what the body of Christ looks like right now? We have, we have disavowed our differences. We have not allowed for there to be dexterity and functionality in the body because we're different. God says no. God says it's time to stop. You see these hands? They're, they're all different colors. You, do you understand that the only way that this happens is when this happens? Thank you, bro. Let me get one in shirts, man. I have a friend who is a professor at Northeastern Seminary. His name is Dr. Scott McKnight, amazing man, uh, very um, prolific, many books written and translated in different, in different languages. He shared a term with me that I had never heard before, and that term if I remember it correctly, was white invisibility. And it simply means that the wrongs of that particular culture has been made invisible, and you're not able to see what those wrongs are. He shared with me that change will come when power is shared. People in power do not want to share their power. I go back to Black Wall Street, 1921. The Greenwood section of Tulsa was becoming empowered. And what happened? By their economic development, 2,000 men who were probably making less money than they were said, this will not happen. These, are, these areas are where the development of systemic racism takes place. There has to be change. I'm sharing these things with you tonight so that there's basic understanding and then we can begin to move and grow from the basic movements of the understanding. There has to be a greater level of EQ, emotional intelligence. So when we hear these things, we don't get all crazy and upset we allow the moments to, to think through and deliberate so that we can continue to grow, to move forward as one 
you and I. There must be a greater level of spiritual intelligence. I cannot allow for another Azusa to come around and we take the Holy Spirit and put him to the side and say, well, you know what the laws are. The laws of the land now say the Jim Crow is in effect and uh, uh, a black man has to drink out of this fountain and a white and a white man has to drink out of this fountain these were these were men and women who were filled with the holy ghost but they did not allow i'm not accusing i'm observing they did not allow for spiritual intelligence to take the fore above logistics and issues Saw the folks over here worshiping. Man, I'm a worshiper. I love, I appreciate that. Dude with the hair, man, on down over here. That hair, that hair was going, man. But what happens if we leave our spiritual intelligence in the church and we don't take it out? with us. May I suggest to you that these are the reasons that we're experiencing what we are today. Judgment comes to the house of God first. And we need to learn, accept, and repent for the house of God not doing and being who who and where we are supposed to be. Not, not huddled in four walls, but out there sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where a couple things are, and I'm, I'm done, Pastor, for now. There has to be another skill set of listening. I appreciate what you're doing right now. There has to be a skill set of listening. The greatest level of listening happens when we get all bristled up. When somebody's talking about their, their grandmama and somebody said something. You, said, you talked about the values of my mama. I'm, I'm, the, I'm cutting you off now. No, there, there have to be, these have to be the moments when our, our skill set of listening is enhanced. I can't, I can't be you. And I certainly cannot be the best you. But I can be the best me. And I got to deal with my stuff. Can I tell you? That with, with community... There has to be unity, and each one of us has to accept where we're falling, where we're faltering, because the, the greatest, the, the least, the, the, the common denominator for community and unity is what? So it can't be you and I 
if each one of us is holding back a little bit. I, I, I can't reveal myself. One of the songs you guys um, just sang was about being weak, right? When my wife was dying, I'm the patriarch of my family. Hashtag Mike Cole tribe. So that meant I had to be strong for my kids and my grandkids. As I'm watching, if, as I'm standing there watching my bride taking her last breath. And what God told me, he said, I give you permission to be weak. He said, as long as you stand strong, my strength cannot come into you. If you accept your weakness, then my strength can come in. Accept those weak points where you are. Accept where you struggle. Be transparent and authentic. And allow yourself to not have to be strong. You say, Lord, this is where I'm struggling. I don't know. Why are they down there rioting and all this stuff? I'm struggling with this, Lord. You know what he's saying? Good. Because now I can step in to your weakness. I can step into your weakness. And my power, strength, word, and understanding can now come into you. I gave a whole family permission to be weak. And they did the same for me. I cried like a baby when my wife died. The next, that was on a Saturday. The next day, we went to church and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because I was given permission to be weak. And when I was weak, God's strength came into me and it made him perfect. Woo! In these situations, this is what we need to do. Allow for those moments to happen. Allow for some of these things that I'm sharing, some of the things that that are hard to deal with, to come in to that weak place. And I promise you, he'll give us answers and the ability to make a change right here because there's still a prayer waiting to be answered. Okay, and that's where the sermon ends. Now, after this, there was a Q&A time that went on for about another hour that was, again, incredibly helpful. But for sake of time, we're not going to air that on the podcast. But I will link to the video that is online that has all of this, both the sermon and the Q&A time to follow, which you'll hear yours truly ask a, ask a question or two. So thank you, Pastor Adam Meyer, for, for hosting this. And I, it, it was a blessing to me. I hope it was a blessing to you. We're going to continue this conversation next week. We're going to have, if everything works out uh, according to schedule, we're going to have Pastor Michael Bell of the New Zion Baptist Church right here in Beloit, Wisconsin, 
he was one of the speakers at this protest rally I attended here, and uh, a good guy, and I, and I and I think you'll you'll agree, he's got some things that are worthwhile to say. Next week we're going to be discussing, but more listening. I want to ask some questions. I'm not going to be making a lot of statements. So, uh, in in terms of recommended resources, we always close the program. Uh, Bishop Cole was supposed to get back to me about with with some resources. Unfortunately, uh, he wasn't able to do that right away. So uh, let me recommend some books that I know of that have been good, that I've read, that I, I appreciate on this topic. First, Bloodlines by John Piper. Uh, there's a video that goes along with that as well, but it's a free download if you go on the Desiring God website, which I'll, I'll link to. So Bloodlines by John Piper, I think, is one of the books that got me started thinking about these issues. And the book Unity by Trillia Newbell. Uh, Trillia, I got to meet... Uh, at a ladies' conference that my church hosted. That's the only reason why I was at the ladies' conference because my church hosted this, and I and I was helping out with that. So I'll I'll put those two books on the recommended resources list for this week, and so next week we'll have some more. And if Pastor if, if Bishop Bell gets back to me, I'll make sure to get those resources that he recommends to you. So until next week, have a great rest of your week.